and we're recording. Well, welcome to uh, another episode in our podcast and our Level Up series, and we're, we're prepared to uh, have a drive-in Easter service, but we also want to talk about this passage a little bit as well. And so, um, what about surprising moments? Anybody ever have any surprising moments in your life? What's the most surprising thing that ever happened to you? Um, mine that I like, came to mind like immediately was um, when I was pregnant with Reed, we were having a barbecue with some friends and all of this stuff and we're preparing. It was going to be at a friend's house and I walk in and I'm trying to push Emerson and Finley ahead in front of me only to realize that like I've actually walked into like a surprise baby shower as I'm like tripping over my kids in the doorway. <laughs> and I remember that I just, I think I was just so confused. Like it took me far longer than it should have to like realize that like this was a party for, for me and that, um, yeah, all of this was happening. I just remember just feeling really confused and yeah, obviously very surprised. I think I'm a hard person to surprise because I'm constantly like picking up on clues and weird faces and like, I'm like, oh, what does that smirk mean? So like, this was totally one of those times completely surprised. Yeah, that's good. Surprise party for fun. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you're the one not being surprised. Right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think so just <laughs> surprising moments. Um, probably has to do uh, with sports stuff because uh, I'm a fan of, of Ohio sports teams. And so I'm uh, used to disappointment and heartbreak and things <laughs> not going the way. So, man, I just, uh, I think of the, uh, the 2002 Ohio state championship and just uh, how, how silly, but how surprised uh, I was that I, that my team, we were celebrating uh, a national champion, something good. Cause like I said, I'm just used to, heartbreak and disappointment yeah. <laughs> and frustration you're a reds fan and a Bengals fan yeah yeah and so uh, speaking of disappointment yeah. i had something to look forward to as a reds fan i'm not a Bengals fan by the way uh, uh, but as a reds fan i had something to look forward to this year and uh now we're not experiencing it <laughs> not yet not yet not yet well let's um let's get into the to the story a little bit josh why don't you uh, give us some a breakdown or a recap of because uh, we're going to we're going to be at the resurrection uh, give us a breakdown of the week uh the, the passion week yeah so um kind of where we're uh where we're finding ourselves uh obviously at the at the end in, in the story of easter but uh kind of leading up to this uh, basically a week prior to where we're where the scripture is uh, we find jesus uh in this uh, triumphal entry uh, where he's coming into Jerusalem and uh, and and he's riding on a donkey. Now this is kind of uh, a, a lot of his followers were expecting that this was kind of the moment where Jesus would uh, kind of finally be triumphant and take over and 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 they were excited and this was going to be it. This is a moment that they were waiting for, and then he rides in on a donkey, which is certainly not the uh, the picture of of triumphant and victor and this uh, mighty warrior that they were that they were hoping for and so we see this and then um we see from kind of throughout the week um jesus is still doing what he had been doing uh, he's still teaching he's still using um parables to teach but but what's interesting is it's in this week that we also see some of jesus's maybe some of his 
uh, kind of harshest moments with, uh, it's in this week where we see Jesus clearing out the, uh, the temple um, because of the temple practices that were happening there. Uh, it's where we see Jesus call the Pharisees whitewashed tombs, uh, which, is, which is pretty brutal. Um, so we do see some of these harsh moments in this last week of Jesus's life, um, but he's also teaching. He's still teaching in, in these parables. Um, and then we, we come to Thursday, uh, Monday, Thursday, and, uh, and we see Jesus uh, is celebrating the Passover with his disciples uh, in the upper room. And it's in this moment where, where Jesus uh, essentially um, implements communion. He kind of gives us establishes this new tradition and this new ritual of, of communion. Uh, and then following this uh, kind of takes us to where we were last week when we were talking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, uh, and so Jesus is in the garden uh, and, and he's praying. Uh, again, we talked about this last week. This is, Jesus is praying and asking God if there's some other way, um, asking his disciples, some of his disciples to pray with him. And we see that they're really tired and it's really a struggle <laughs> to stay up and pray. Um, but, but Jesus is praying. And then this is where kind of the, the drama just, just hits the peak because from across the garden is when we see Judas, uh, his disciple, who's coming to betray him, betrays Jesus. Jesus is arrested. And so this kind of begins the, 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 the drama of Jesus being led toward death. And so then we see kind of this, um, interesting, uh, kind of walk through almost the court system and Paul as a, as with a law background, you may have uh, thoughts on the way that this, uh, this, these court hearings seem to go, but it, 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 it just, in reading it, it's just, it's a little bit strange the way this court sequence goes, um, but it ultimately ends up to Jesus uh, being sentenced to death and crucifixion. And so and the, uh, we and just the, see these. The interesting uh, thing about that is yeah. that, um, the, the charge that's laid against him is that he's the king of the Jews. That's the accusation that he's making that claim. And the Roman tribunal makes the judgment, not that he's making those claims, but that he is the king of the Jews, which is kind of a fascinating thing. So, yeah. so they say, hey, he's saying he's king of Jew the Jews. And Pilate says, okay, right. He is the king of the Jews and we're a crucified. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's pretty fascinating. Funny, funny how that works. Um, yeah, so so we see Jesus uh, end up getting uh, beaten, uh, flogged, uh, all kinds of just just brutal torture, and it culminates in crucifixion. Uh, and, there, and he's there on the cross, and that's Friday. Um, and then there's this kind of this time of of silence, uh, and and it seems as though this is the end. And for the disciples who had uh, had hoped that this was the Messiah, the one that they had been waiting for, the one that would uh, kind of be victorious over everyone and finally kind of put them in their in the rightful place uh, in kind of this position over people uh, was over because Jesus was dead on the cross. And so then Jesus ends up in a, in a tomb uh, and, and buried. And, uh, and, and that's when we have this just kind of period of waiting and this this uncertainty and and feeling like things were just everything that the disciples were were living for and following after was just done and so that's where we're going to pick up the scripture today so we yeah right the scriptures with the uh the disciples lives being put on hold hmm that, that kind of sounds familiar to, to, to be on hold yeah. waiting uh for for god to do something so Mara, what you waiting 
waiting cooped up in our houses right like yeah. <laughs> hunkered and down and in, in our, in right. our <laughs> well because i feel like that and that's probably like a lot of them were probably kind of in hiding i mean that yeah. this was a really uncertain time and i think it's interesting that we're going to read this text today with the um with the hindsight i guess to know that this is like a countdown like we know that there was an end to this but um i want as you listen today i want you to also think about the fact that at this time they they did not know that this day was going to be different than any other day. They were just yeah. doing their normal preparations and um, taking care of, of his body. So even though this is covered in all of the Gospels, um, the text we're going to use today is coming from Matthew 28. So I'm going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 10. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. So I know we've heard this before. Um, this is not the first time that we've heard this story, but what kind of sticks out to you today, this week, as, as you guys have been preparing and reading over this? Just, just as you were reading that, that the phrase fear and great joy um, really stood out to me. This, the, the, the putting those two things together, usually you don't have fear and great joy uh, placed together. Uh, but, but, I, but I guess as you, as you follow Jesus, <laughs> as you follow a resurrected Lord, um, I think there should be a mixture of fear and great joy. There's great joy, but there's there's always, and this is an irrational boogeyman fear. This is awe fear. This is, whoa. Uh, I, I hope we hold what it means to follow Jesus uh, with those two things together, fear and great joy. Uh, we, not, not just a, a frivolous, oh yeah, everything's great, but man, what what's he done and what's he calling me to yeah yeah that uh so that actually we, we've got a google document up here with with some notes and uh and i watched paul highlight the words right there um because that's actually that's the exact phrase that that stuck out to me today as well this idea that they they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy uh and it was just it's just kind of this dichotomy of of feelings. Um, I think in this particular instance, though, there certainly was some, some real fear because they still hadn't seen Jesus yet, right? Like th this was still just hearsay uh, from the, from the angels that were there. And so I can, I'm just imagining um, kind of this, uh, this, I, I don't know, this uh, idea that someone has told them something that they hope is true. And so that gave them this, this great joy, but there was still that certain uncertainty of like, I don't know if this is really real. 
and uh, and and what just happened was a little bit scary, <laughs> and so uh, there there is that real fear and great joy, um, which is which is fascinating. But just the if I if I may jump, I don't know if you have any more thoughts on that. Um, but I, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the uh, the idea of afraid and fear. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts before I jump into that? Yeah. Or? I think that's so funny because that's that's what I circled that fear and great joy as well. And I was just thinking about um, here. These are women. These are um, his disciples. They have seen Jesus display his power in a number of ways. They've seen healings. They've seen miraculous feedings. They've seen him walking on water. Some of them. And but I I do feel like when you see a big display of power, like there is a bit of like that that awestruck that fear. Um, almost of that power. And so here all of a sudden they've seen him do these things. And then to have that, even that possibility that he could possibly be alive after we know we've seen him dead. Like, I feel like that would be just a little fear. Yeah. yeah I feel, feel like fear sure. is the word for that. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. So uh, that, that, and again, I saw this, this highlighted here just now, um, this idea of do not be afraid um, and just reading through that, um, the, the parallel to do not be afraid being spoken by angels is Jesus's birth story, right? So we see the two bookends of Jesus's life where it starts with, uh, angels telling Mary, do not be afraid. Um, and then the, and then the shepherds do not be afraid. Um, there's this, there's this, I know this this interesting idea of of these angels, these messengers of God showing up and saying and kind of giving this command to not be afraid. Um, mm -hmm. Well, this is a pretty fearful, th like it, it, this is a scary thing, um, both in the birth story and on this death story. Like there are things happening that would lend oneself to being afraid. And there's this messenger of God uh, saying, do not be afraid. And I was thinking uh, just, so during, just during this, I mean, we're, we're talking a lot about the, you know, COVID-19 and the pandemic that we're in because that's just it's what we're living in. Um, but one of the things that has been kind of uh, striking to me in, in the, in press conferences and from early on, it was just this, don't be afraid, like these kind of instructions to not be afraid, but this is really, really bad. Stay inside, wear a mask, wash your hands 4 million times a day. And so just this idea of, don't be afraid, but this is a really scary situation. And so I guess, and maybe you guys can just help me think through this is just um, when, when the instructions to do not be afraid come from, I don't know, I guess just a person versus do not be afraid coming from a messenger of God with that, that authority to say, do not be afraid. I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? That's kind of just a, well, it's, it's interesting in this passage, it's, it's not, the angel doesn't tell them that. And, you know, it's Jesus. I mean, uh, they, they left quickly with fear and great joy. And then they meet up with Jesus in verse 10. It's Jesus that says, do not be afraid. And so, uh, it, you know, it's, it's from a trusted friend, maybe from an angel at that point, it would have been very difficult for them to receive. Um, but, but Jesus is saying, don't, don't, well, the angel says it earlier too, but yeah. Jesus says as well. Um, so maybe from a trusted friend, maybe it's just a reminder from somebody they know. No, I love that you brought up the idea of like a trusted friend. Cause I think about times, like even when I've told my kids, don't be afraid or don't be scared. Um, 
that's not coming from a place where I'm saying your fear is bad. It's bad to have that because our feelings are, um, they're God given. We talked last week about Jesus and his feelings, but, um, I actually did some research. I was like, okay, when we read like being afraid in the Bible, like we're oftentimes told, don't be afraid. And, um, it was talking about how being afraid is really like allowing your fear to manifest into your actions. Mm. So it's like when you are actually then acting on your fear. And oftentimes when we act out of fear, we're acting out of self-preservation. Um, and so it's kind of interesting that he's, he's reassuring them and he is a, tr a trusted voice in their life. So he's saying, he's not saying you should not feel fear. I feel like he's more saying, don't act on this fear. Don't allow that fear to overcome you. Um, and I think that that's, that's a difference. It's separating the emotion from, from our actions that would come out of that emotion. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's instruction after the, do not be afraid. I mean, he's, and, and go and take my word to the brethren to leave, uh, to leave for Galilee and there they will see me, which is, um, uh, you know, Jesus departs on the Mount of Olives. So, so there's always, there's always tensions in the text where, 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 where some of these meetings, where, where are they occurring? And does Jesus make his way back to Jerusalem in resurrected form to depart? Um, you know, where are they fishing? All these kind of things that, that are in the end of John. Uh, but yeah, there's action. There's a call to action. It's not go. And I, and I think what, what he's trying to get them to do uh, with the do not be afraid, the action is, is to not go back into hiding, uh, right. but, but begin to be in community again, <laughs> uh, to, to be with one another and, um, and, and not be afraid of being seen with, you know, the disciples. I mean, that, that's the fear here. I mean, if, if they're going to crucify mm -hmm. Jesus, uh, then, you know, it wouldn't take too much for them to stone or crucify them. And so, um, you know, the, I, I think there's real fear there. Um, reasonable yeah. sure. right right and i i don't know maybe what you guys think about this but i as i was reading this i was kind of thinking these women maybe have over, already overcome some fear and that they were even willing to go to the the tomb site i mean what do you guys think like were they taking a risk here um what i think just think it's interesting every gospel account really it talks about these women like really being kind of those first people to encounter um jesus in his risen form i don't know what do you what do you think about them taking that risk or, or was it a risk? What do you think? Yeah. I think the risk was just, uh, I think what they did was probably natural and what you would typically do uh, after a burial, perhaps um, culturally relevant or whatever. But I think there was certainly had to be some, uh, some fear in just because it was Jesus. And this was, I mean, this was a high tension uh, kind of, highly publicized, if you will, uh, event and, and crucifixion. And so just to kind of, again, associate with, uh, with this Jesus guy and to, to show up uh, um, as someone who, who loved him and, and followed him, um, certainly kind of a, a, a risky thing. Yeah. It shows, it shows, shows their role in, in Jesus um, as Jesus' disciples, I mean, we 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 name the the twelve men disciples, uh, but but obviously these ladies going there tells us that they have a lot of influence in Jesus' inner circle. Uh, they're important to him, and um, and they matter. You know that I, I don't believe, 
and I think I'm correct here, that a woman could not testify in court. And so for, for, for the gospel writers to include these as the first encounter, uh, once the first encounter Jesus, if they were going to be, if they wanted to prove their case, they would use Peter or John or one of the male disciples, but they, they use these women. And so it gives a, a level of credence to the story in that if they were going to do it to, to, to enhance believability. Um, in this culture, they wouldn't have used women, and that's, but, but they do. And, and it seems like the women are the ones taking the risk. They're the ones at the cross other than, than perhaps John, um, but, but they're, they stick with Jesus till the end. And in a lot of ways, they, they show more faithfulness uh, than, than the disciples that become more well-known as uh, the church evolves. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's a really a beautiful picture. And also thinking about that these women um, would have had enough um, credence with his disciples that his disciples um, would have believed their word. I mean, that, that Jesus kind of entrusted them with this message to take back to his disciples. So I do, I agree that I feel like these women were an important part of, of, his, of his following and his, his crew. Yeah, I, I think that's where the, even then, even it, with the closeness of, uh, his his disciples. I think the the big fear factor would have likely been the going back and proclaiming this good news that they uh, that they had discovered. Um, and, and I think when I don't know, there's some maybe suggestions that when they went back and told the disciples, it wasn't just referring to the eleven, but it was talking about maybe perhaps a bigger group of of followers. And so this idea that that God sent these women to uh, to proclaim the good news to a whole bunch of people, um, essentially becoming the first evangelist preacher, if you will, of the gospel of the good news is just fascinating. Um, and so um, I'm certain that there was some fear there of just who am I to, I can't even, I'm not even supposed to be talking to these guys, let alone telling them what happened and what they, you know, it's a, it's a pretty big, big thing, a bold, uh, a bold move there. Yeah, it is bold. All right. So we kind of look at this empty grave and we really talk about how this is really a symbol of like his victory over death. And I know that the Easter story isn't always one that we have some personal applications or some things, but more of a time that we look back and we remember and we celebrate together but um, this, this idea of victory over death, like Jesus didn't keep this for himself. He has proclaimed it for all of us. What, is that, what does that look like in our day-to-day -day lives? How do we really live into that? And Mara, I think that the question that we, we kind of, because we got a, a lot of questions here and we kind of passed over this, why were they surprised to find an empty tomb? I think that that leads into the, the significance mm. of your question here, because I believe when, when Lazarus died, Jesus went and talked to the um, sisters, and one of them, I can't remember if it was Martha or Mary, said, yeah, yeah, we believe in the resurrection on the last day. So, so I don't believe any of his disciples uh, were surprised when Jesus said he was going to rise from the dead that there was going to be a resurrection. I think they all believed in a resurrection, much like we believe in the resurrection. That the problem was Jesus was talking about a physical resurrection, that his body was going to physically be resurrected. It wasn't a spiritual thing. It was important for them to understand. It was a physical resurrection. And when we teach 
we talk about Easter and we talk about the resurrection, we're not talking about a spiritual only resurrection, but Jesus rose in his physical body. And since J Jesus rose in his physical body, that means that God can resurrect us in the here and now. Now, now there's a coming time where we're all going to be resurrected and there, there's going to be a full resurrection. But, but even now, God can resurrect and make, create us into new creatures, even in the here and now, that God wants to redeem our physical bodies and change our perspectives and change our attitudes and change the way we live. So, so I think both of those together are important. Uh, we, we don't believe that flesh is evil. We believe God wants to redeem our flesh. Right. And, and Jesus, that is the surprise of the resurrection, that Jesus physically rose from the tomb. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a way to distinct um, that this isn't just like our, our following Christ isn't just some future thing that we're looking forward to. We, obviously are looking forward to that and in, in resurrection and, and that is good in heaven. And um, those are all good things. But I, I think that because of the resurrection, the physical resurrection, uh, it gives us, it, it, it makes this more than simply a, um, a ticket to heaven uh, or, or you know, you know, a get out of jail free card. Uh, this gives us something for here, right here and right now. This is your St. Paul, this, this idea that we can have, new life here and now that we're not stuck in or we're not just going to coast through and be stuck and this is who we are until we finally get to heaven it's just that right here and right now um there is hope for for resurrection in us for new creation i love that the song that we uh we sing on easter the, the resurrected uh i remember how it goes now the resurrected king is resurrecting me that might yeah. not be the right words but this idea of it's a it's a current right now continuously resurrecting us into this new creation um but it's something in the future as well so it's just this both and in the, the yeah. already but not yet is is just a it's an incredible thing yeah yeah i was thinking about that phrase the already here but not yet here and um just kind of the tension between that because yeah i feel like we we need to recognize yeah we are we're we're new beings like we are when we choose to follow him, he does, he makes, he remakes us into, um, into his image and into someone who more closely resembles him. But that, yeah, there's also is that future hope. And I think sometimes if we think too much about one or the other, um, we can lose a little bit of our perspective and it's really when they, they come together. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah I, we're just going through the Lord's prayer in our Wednesday night Bible study. And, and, you know, in the Lord's prayer, it says, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, so there, it, w without the physical resurrection, I think that's kind of um, dead language. It's dead law. It, it's not possible. But with the physical resurrection, Jesus tells us that there is the possibility that the resurrection power can be at work in our life in the here and now. It's interesting that that prayer is, is six petitions. And the first petition is really, hallowed be your name. And, and, and it's not a declaration that God's name is holy, but it's a request that God make our lives something that bring honor and glory to his name. And, and so, you know, to, to, you're saying in that prayer, Lord, can you somehow make my actions, make your name holy, make your character known. And so the physical resurrection leads us into all of those things. Sure. That's good. Yeah.
That is good. So let's talk about the days though that, um, and we all have them where we really just aren't feeling that victorious. We really aren't feeling that overwhelming sense of, of power and purpose and ability to overcome. What, what, what do we do on those days? How do we, how do we still recognize this power and this reality? Binge watch Netflix. No, no, I think that's the opposite. <laughs> that cannot be the right answer. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> Just thinking about yesterday. I don't know, this is kind of, I, I feel like this is a, a recurring theme that we've been talking about in, in all of these um, is just this idea that uh, even when, when, when they're instructed to not be afraid in this passage, um, it's never a do not be afraid because everything is going to be okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to change all the circumstances to make everything okay. And, and everything's going to be rainbows and butterflies. So therefore don't be afraid. Um, so I, I guess maybe just thinking of this in a, in a human, uh, a human kind of uh, realm. If I'm telling my boys to not be afraid because there's a, we, we had a, a pretty decent thunderstorm last night. Um, and if I'm telling my boys, don't be afraid because this storm isn't real and it's, and it's going to go like, it, it, it's just going to stop right now. That's, that's a little bit ridiculous. Um, me saying, do not be afraid is because, you know, I'm here and, and we're going to, we're going to get through this and we're, you know, um, the storm's not going anywhere. It's here, but you're with me and we're going to do everything that we can to protect you and to keep you safe. Uh, and so it doesn't take away the present uh, reality. Uh, but I think over time in the reason that my boys would maybe not fear when I tell them that is because we've kind of developed that trust and that, mm. that idea of daddy has proven himself that, that I'm going to do what I can to, to protect you. And when I say we don't have to uh, be terrified, then, then it's because, you know, I've, I've proved that or, or in some sort of fashion. So I think in those times where, uh, where we don't, we just don't feel victorious uh, when whatever that is, I think we, we really, we truly rely on, um, that trust that we've, that we've built in, in God and, and that faithfulness that God has proved himself over and over, um, that he will be victorious, that not that, not that those things are going to go away all of a sudden. And so then we don't have to be afraid, but it's even in the midst of that, God has proven himself over and over. And so I know that victory is coming in some way, in some fashion. And I just believe that because God has shown that, uh, to me before. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that's, that's really good. I was just thinking um, that, especially in this situation we find ourselves in, it can be really like isolating for a lot of people. And I feel like when you are in isolation, it's easier to start to maybe hear and and believe some of those those lies that are that we can kind of tell ourselves. If if you haven't heard from somebody in a few days, well, I must not be that important to that person. Or like you can start to really. Um, I don't know, start to really question a lot of things. And I love when you talked about um, that your voice is a voice that your boys would trust. And so I think even sometimes it's important to reach out and find those voices that you trust and share how you're feeling. Um, I think sometimes when we name our emotions, when we put them out, we take away 
um, the power for those to be used against us. Um, some of us, it may even be that, hey, I need, to, I need to talk to my counselor. Like that is somebody that I know is in my life that I trust that they are going to um, speak truth into my heart. And so I liked, um, I love what you were talking about, just those voices that we trust in our lives can really um, help us on the days that, that we're, not, we're not feeling that victory. We're not feeling um, that strength. That's good. You know, it, fear, fear is, um, a, is connected to the unknown oftentimes, that, yeah. that where fear manifests itself as in what we can't explain or we don't understand. Uh, my Kobe was terrified by the storm. We didn't realize he was terrified by storms, but the last two nights he's, he's, he's got him out of the crate and ended up in Spencer's bed. And last night he was in a, a, a bathroom and I didn't want to leave him in the bathroom. So I'm trying to explain to a dog why he didn't need to be afraid. Um, sometimes I feel like that dog with, with God that, you know, I, you know, I just want to understand everything. And so oftentimes our fear, uh, the, the only response to fear has to be faith. That, that we have to say, okay, how do I build my faith in this circumstance? And, and, and I think there's particular things you can do that builds faith. Number one, I think it's always good to keep a journal of some type. I think it's always good to, to, to keep track and be thankful. I think thank, practicing Thanksgiving will build faith because most of the time when you practice Thanksgiving, you'll see, well, God's done this or God's moved this way or God's provided like this. And so since God's provided like this, I, I can trust him in this situation. Even in our personal life, Terry and I, there's things that we're going through that could lead to fear. But, but I'll be honest, I don't have a lot of fear because God has been so true in the past in very similar circumstances. And so I, I, guess, I guess that's what I see in this that the fear is related not to the known, but the unknown, uh, what this all means. And, and I think that's how fear manifests itself in my life. Usually if I have an idea of what's going on, it's not fear that, that I experience. <laughs> There's something else that I experience. Yeah, that's good. So, well, let's kind of talk about some takeaways um, for maybe Josh, you want to talk about your teens and their parents? What, what do you kind of want them to take away today as they're celebrating sure. Easter? Sure. Yeah, I think, uh, and this is kind of the, the last, well, one of the last things that we, we talked about is really was my, my takeaway uh, for, for teens and, and families. And just this idea of, uh, I, I think we get so caught up in the, uh, in Easter being this, looking back at what Jesus did, but then looking forward to, uh, to the ultimate resurrection. And we, we forget that here and now. And so that was kind of my challenge, uh, to the teens. My takeaway I would like for the teens is just to, uh, to think about that and maybe spend some time reflecting, journaling, whatever that looks like. Um, and, and just kind of, uh, asking, asking yourselves, what has, what has Christ resurrected in you? So, think about those things of like, this is who I was. And because of Christ, this is who I am. Now, these are those areas where, where Christ has resurrected me and, and made a new creation. Uh, I think it's important to, to reflect on those things, to, to think about who we were and who we are now uh, and, and to celebrate those. And so maybe as a family, uh, just kind of that conversation of, uh, and, and each person gets a chance to share that, like, what is, what has Christ done in me that has resurrected me, that has made me a new, uh, a new creation. Um, but then also, um, what areas, what areas do you still need Christ to do some resurrecting in your life? Uh, because the truth is, is this is an, uh, this is a never ending process. I, I, I guess maybe it ends in heaven 
maybe. Um, but but this is uh, this is something that that continues, and 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 I think Jesus is continuously resurrecting us and and bringing about new things and transformation. So, what are some areas in your life um, that you uh, you need Christ to do some resurrecting in? Um, and uh, and then just 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 finally, this is uh, I think with the re- with the resurrection, um, victory over death, um, Jesus overcoming. I, I just this idea. I love this idea that. Um, we can overcome because Christ overcame yeah. because Christ overcame the greatest threat to any human. And that's death. Like that's the ultimate finality of, of, of a human could be death. And because Christ overcame that we also have power to overcome. So then are, are there things in your life um, that, that you need the resurrection power to help overcome? Uh, and, and I think that we can find that in Christ. And so I would really encourage maybe some good discussion uh, amongst families about those things. Yeah, that's really good. Um, when I was kind of thinking about my own kids and the kids in our church and our families, I had a couple of things come to mind. And one, I was kind of just thinking about me as an adult. I have heard this story many, many, many times, and it is internalized. It is a, it is woven into the fabric of my faith. But realizing our kids, um, some of them, this is maybe the first year that they have heard this story and really understand what what this even means this is the first year that they understand what it means when someone dies and they understand how impossible it seems that someone would come back to life and so i really want um to encourage our parents and i'm doing this as well to walk through this story again like it was the first time and really to reiterate um to your kids that you believe this, especially some of our older elementary kids are going to start to grow out of the things that they maybe deem childish, kiddish. And I think it's really important as our kids are transitioning, as they their minds are developing, that we help them and we are really open about the things that we believe and that it's not childish to, to believe in something that seems impossible. So I really, I feel like there's a lot of um, excitement around this story. And I would just encourage our families to really walk through it like it's your first time hearing it because for some of your kids this this really is this is the first time that they are getting to experience it um the other thing i came to mind was just thinking back to this month we've talked about how um how we face hard times like we there's there's never been any promise that our lives will be easy just because we follow jesus but it's all about how our faith grows because of those hard times. And so I was just kind of thinking back to the, the difference between yeah, our feelings and then our actions based on our feelings. And really um, that could be some really great discussions about it's okay to feel fear, but you don't have to act on that. It's okay to feel angry, but you don't have to act out of that. And really um, helping our kids to really develop their emotional IQ, their emotional self-control, where we aren't suppressing, we aren't pretending like we don't have those emotions but we are recognizing that we can, even through those emotions, make the choices that honor God, make the choices that, um, that show and give evidence in our life that we have experienced that change, that resurrection um, power in us. So that's a couple of things that just kind of came to mind uh, for me this week. That's good. Uh, there's some good takeaways. You know, I, I think as I, I think about this story, what, what always cracks me up, or I, I kind of laughed about it. It's like, well, yeah, we'll stop being afraid if you stop sending earthquakes and angels in the middle of the night, then we won't be afraid. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, think, I think what we learn from this is that, that faith does not grow in, in a vacuum, but faith grows in the midst of distraction. Jesus, Jesus never promised a distractionless life but he promised that there'd be trouble. And and it's in the midst of trouble that oftentimes our faith grows most. 
And so this is a time, um, you know, there's a lot of distraction. There's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of fear mongering. <laughs> I mean, there just is, I mean, you, it, you know, fear sells. And there's a lot of that out there right now. And, um, you know, I, I, I think this is a serious situation that we should take serious. Uh, but I, I don't believe that we should be clinging to fear, but to faith. And so in the midst of all the distractions, I guess I would say this, do not be afraid. Uh, the, the one that came has overcome death. He has overcome on our behalf. And Christ is our victor. Uh, we have no reason to fear, but we will make it through. And so um, all hearts clear. If so, I'll let Mara close us out in prayer. All right. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, we are so thankful for, um, for the reality, Lord, that you overcame death, that you um, were victorious over the grave. The story did not end there and that um, our story doesn't either. Lord, I pray this week that you would help us as we are um, still walking through this season of just uncertainty, of doubt, of fear. Lord, help us to um, rely on you, to hear your voice louder than, than all the fear, louder than the doubt. Um, Lord, I pray that you would bring people across our paths this week, whether it's a phone call, a text, a card, a note, Lord, that there would be those times where we are hearing from others, but also hearing from you the truth that, um, that you are victorious over, over all of our fears. Lord, I thank you for uh, this time that we've had together, this discussion. And Lord, I pray that um, it would not be too long, Father, until we are able to gather again, Lord, and to um, celebrate our community and our, our faith family. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.